Friends, welcome to this episode of Leadosophy. You're here with an open mind because that is the rule, not the exception. I'm grateful if you're watching, if you're listening. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Subscribe if you like what you hear today. Check out some of my last videos. If you want to think deeply about Leadosophy, this is your this is the place. Or if you want to think deeply about leadership and philosophy, you want to combine the concepts. That's what this is all about. Today, I want to talk about a Facebook post that I put on the Leadosophy group. I took an excerpt out of a book called The End of Leadership by Barbara Kellerman. I've mentioned her book on a previous episode. So I want to talk about a little passage I took from that. And it'll be a brief one. Hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution, you are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of leadosophy, Tim Wood. All right, welcome back, friends. In the Leadosophy Facebook group, I posted an excerpt from Barbara Kellerman's book, The End of Leadership. So I love assumptions. I love assumptions. If you've been, if you listen to the show before, watch the show, you know, I like talking about assumptions we make, the assumptions we make that we think are true, but they could actually be false. The assumptions that are tied to the beliefs we have. A lot of our beliefs are very simple assumptions we make. And we have to realize that some, sometimes our most closely held beliefs could have been acquired in error. And the assumptions that follow those beliefs, you know, if we acquired a belief in error, could it be that some of the assumptions that we take away from those beliefs might also be faulty? It's a fascinating question or a series of questions. Curious to hear your thoughts. So in the Facebook group, I posted the passage uh, in the introduction to her book, The End of Leadership, Barbara Kellerman writes, a sharp critique of the leadership industry as a whole. She says, quote, part of the problem is with mistaken assumptions. We think leadership is static. It is not. We think leadership can be taught, which given the paucity of objective evidence might be true or might not. We think leadership can be learned quickly and easily and that one form of leadership can be taught simultaneously to different people in different situations, a stretch at best. We think of context as being secondary or even tertiary importance, which is wrong-headed. We think leader-centrically, that being a leader is better and more important than being a follower, wrong again, unquote, as Kellerman writes. So what are your thoughts on Kellerman's critique of the leadership industry and the, the assumptions that follow? She's talking about people who make money off, off teaching leadership courses. I think she's even talking about institutions that teach leadership and it could be a university or, or what have you, a lot of think tanks, consultants, a lot of leadership gurus out there, a ton of self-help leadership books. I think Kellerman is, is kind of bringing all of these different institutions, ideas, concepts, authors under this kind of same umbrella. And I don't think she is trying to completely disparage these, these mediums of, of delivering leadership content. I think she's just trying to pump the brakes a little bit on how much value we put into leadership or the leader's role more specifically. Now her book is the the beginning of the book is is thought provoking, maybe a little controversial, but she gets into some really really good concepts about leadership, followership 
in, in the situations that give rise to the dynamic relationship between a leader and follower, which I really like. So she brings up a third element, which I just talked about. She talks about context. She calls it the golden triangle. And the three sides of this equilateral triangle, you have leaders, followers, and context. And she's trying to make the case that they're all kind of equally important. I don't know if every situation you can say one is, they're all equally important. And I think it depends on what the situation is. And you can explore that more, your own ideas, if you check out our book. But I want to talk about a couple things she said. One of the things she said that we think leadership can be learned quickly. She said leadership can be learned quickly and easily. And that one form of leadership can be taught simultaneously. That's one of the assumptions. And I have to go back to my my Gonzaga experience in grad school, the organizational leadership program, because one of the key ideas of that program was not so much how to lead others. It was a large part of that program was the exploration of the self. It was trying to discover who you are as a leader and who you are as a follower. It wasn't all the emphasis wasn't just on leadership. It was a lot of followership as well. You got to remember Gonzaga is a Jesuit school. So there's a heavy emphasis at Gonzaga in the leadership program on servant leadership. And I'm not sure servant leadership is necessarily leader centric as what Barbara Kellerman talks about as we overemphasize leader centric ideas. But again, exploration of the self at Gonzaga program. And we were exposed to a wide array of leadership materials, books, theories, ideas. We, we learned about all the different leadership theories that were out there. And we weren't, we weren't expected to pick a theory and stick to it. I think one of the, the concepts that I came away with from the Gonzaga program is that leadership theories and styles of leadership might have to be adapted to the situation, to the context that, that uh, Kellerman brings up. So I think it's, it's important to understand that a lot of the concepts we have of leadership, and I can just talk about my Leadosophy Facebook group, everyone's idea or concept of leadership is a little different in that group. And I don't think anyone's concept of leadership is static. She talks about leadership as a, sta uh, st a static concept, or one of the assumptions is that leadership is a static concept. I don't think like that at all. And a lot of people I talk to, I don't think they believe that leadership is a static concept. Not anyone who, who, deeply, who deeply loves to learn about leadership and try to understand leadership. They understand how leadership evolves. It evolves to meet the context. Sometimes the context meets the leader's style. Sometimes a combination of both. So those are my initial thoughts on that post that I put in the Facebook group. But I want to end this short, short Leadosophy podcast with a YouTube excerpt from Barbara Kellerman. And she's talking about her book, The End of Leadership. This book came out in 2012. And this YouTube clip is from 2012. But she was specifically asked, how has the relationship between leaders and followers evolved. And I found her answer interesting because she talks historically, she brings up history and she brings up philosophy, which I mean, she had me at philosophy, as you'll see in her, her answer. So I'm going to let this clip play for, for a couple minutes and then we'll wrap up with some closing thoughts. So here we go. Barbara Kellerman, 
on her book, The End of Leadership, and her response to the question, how has the relationship between leaders and followers evolved? Well, one of the reasons I talk about followers as much as I do about leaders is because I'm a small student of history. And if you look at the history of patterns of dominance and deference, you will see that times change. So Plato talked about the philosopher king, and Machiavelli talked about the prince. Uh, but then when we get, for example, to the Enlightenment, we suddenly have a conversation that is not only about leaders, but that is about followers, and that is about the sharing of power. Suddenly leaders are not, it's not about the divine right of kings anymore, or philosopher kings or princes, but about how to have power shared, a system of government governance in which power is shared. Once you get to sharing power, you realize that not everybody's a leader. Some people are what I call followers, although we could debate the term. I won't go into that at this moment. But again, if you start with the Enlightenment and then you go through the 19th century and the 20th century, certainly the 20th century rights revolutions, civil rights, women's rights, gay, lesbian, and transgender rights, even animal rights, all those rights revolutions are really all about followers telling leaders, after all, uh, we want to have our own voice. We refuse to be dictated to. We demand to have an equal say. So over time, democratization has made the system such or made patterns of dominance and deference such that increasingly leaders need to share their power and influence with their followers. And the 20th, 21st century, for reasons of culture and technology, have taken this to yet a further extreme with technology now recently in particular, again, changing patterns of dominance and deference in ways we could not have anticipated even a decade ago. So there you go. Barbara Kellerman's response to the changing dynamics of leadership and followership. I think what I take away from that, I think we need to make a distinction. I don't think, I think it's not really a good thing to compare organic movements, say the civil rights movement, whatever, to maybe the workplace. I think the power differential is, is, is I think it's different, right? I think when you talk about movements, organic movements, you may not necessarily benefit from having a solid leadership hierarchy. And I don't know how many of these movements, I think it'd be interesting to study some of these movements from a, from a leadership followership perspective. But if you go to the workplace, a lot of the workplace hierarchies are very structured. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. There's a reason why you have certain structures like that. Uh, sometimes the goals and objectives are very narrow, where maybe in a certain movements, you need to have like I said, organic pockets all over the place of different people rising up and, and other people taking their place. And it's just very, I think it's way more organic in the movement side, the enlightenment, no exception. There are obviously, if you study the enlightenment, which I did in my last year at uh, Florida Atlantic University, our senior capstone or thesis program was, was to kind of pull apart the enlightenment, which started in the, I mean, you can argue it started 18th century, maybe even before that, late 17th century, the ideas that led up to the Enlightenment. But there were a lot of organic movements. Uh, women's rights all kind of came to fruition in the Enlightenment, education, 
the, the squashing of dictators and rulers and kings and queens, it was, it was pulling apart these ideas. And, and there, were, there was no one person that was responsible. You had philosophers, women philosophers, it was men philosophers. You had people writing about ideas that inspired the Enlightenment. And it just came from everywhere. It was very organic. And I don't know if there's, a, there's not a, a lot of comparisons I think we can make between organic movements like the Enlightenment and then the workplace. But I do find her, her thoughts very interesting. And again, I don't think we can devalue the role of the follower, which is what I really took away from this, is we have elevated the role of the follower, rightly so, I believe, up to the leader's role because it's a symbiotic relationship. That's, what I, that's how I view it. That's how Leadosophy sees that relationship as, as in one of symbiosis. So those are my thoughts. I hope you enjoyed this show today. Remember, Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.